Welcome to Rain City Supercars. As always, I am Nick. I'm Dan. And we're broadcasting, recording live from Drivers Club. Brought to you by Carter Subaru, Rainier Beer, Havance, Haggerty. How was your week, man? It's been interesting. I've been dealing with this whole, I think I mentioned it a little bit last time, and it's getting cleared up. The, somebody backed into the Maserati. Yeah. And so uh, Queen City's taking care of it, and then um, it's going over to our good friends John at Metropolitan Detail, and they're going to have their way with it. And in fact, basically what's happened is, like I said, insurance is taking care of one side of it, and then we're having the rest. I, and I've talked about this before. There was a company in the area that, that first clear brought it, and this is my fault. I kind of went cheap. And so the whole front end is <laughs> getting repainted on, on, on the company dime, thank God. Um, <laughs> and then we're getting on the guys at Metropolitan are hooking us up and doing a wonderful job. On As that. they always so, yeah. do. Yeah. So they're going to have it for a few days. I think Queen City called me. This is typical Queen City. I love them, the fact that I called him on Friday, and I'm like, How's, how are we doing? He's like, well, we painted it, and we, w- and we went over the fine-tooth comb, and we found a couple of flaws, so we're going back, and we're going to fix everything. And I'm like, yep, great. Like, that's why I go there. It's yeah. such, such great service. So, Good help is hard to find. But yeah, I mean, it really <laughs> is. It is. So uh, excited to get that back on the road. I, d- I probably won't see it. Um, I'm moving this week, and then yeah. you know we'll get it back hopefully sometime next week, and then you and I are leaving. So yeah, it'll be kind of nice. So I'm excited for you to move. How's the leg? <sighs> I'm hurt. I had a nasty headache uh, the next day. Yeah. Yeah. So um, wear a helmet while you're on a skateboard. <laughs> Nick and I went for a ride. And you know, they say most accidents happen close to home. We were coming down the last corner to the to the hill to my house. Well, you, the, you, you managed the last corner. Yeah. But I had to, what happened was we had to dodge this lady with the dog. And if anybody's ever ridden a bicycle anywhere in their life or ridden a skateboard anywhere in their life, anybody with a dog or a child is your worst nightmare because they just kind of go wherever. Well, this lady decided just to stop middle of the road with the dog on a leash. And so we're like playing the dodging game. And I, I made it awkwardly around her. I stopped. And because I didn't want to run her over, right. I moved the board over. I physically picked it up. And then she started to walk in front of me again as I was going down this hill. <laughs> and I was hitting the brakes. And like, okay, again, we went out. This is, these are electric skateboards, just so we're clear. Dan and I are not skaters. Yeah. Um, and I, it's this, if you know where Dan's house is, there's some steep entrances to these, these entrances. And I went right past Dan, well, and, the, and went right through a bush. It was very comical to watch, uh-huh. let like, me tell you, it, but I was worried. Tunes, it should be a Looney Tunes commercial, but it was, uh, <laughs> I was pulling, I went, went home and took a shower and like there was beard, there was uh, like uh, bush stuff in my beard that I had to like scrub out. So <laughs> it was interesting and I, I had a nice little headache and um, the back of my leg feels pretty good from when the board hit me. So yeah, <laughs> I'm feeling my age <laughs> yeah. more than anything. So uh, yeah, my, my week, I was having such a good weekend up yeah. until that up until Til the weekend started. Yeah. And on Saturday, my car decided to shut off again uh-huh. at random. Uh, so this is one of those weird ones. Where I don't blame the dealer, the tech or anything like that. Everybody's been great to me, but it's like a very oddly, you can't, I can't reproduce it all the time. Yeah. So basically I'm did went for a drive, fun drive up to uh, around Salish and around up 90 and, you know, just having some fun in the car on a nice sunny day. I get to the bottom of my hill to pull into my house and it just turns off. And I thought I hit the start-stop button, which I never do in that car. You don't yeah. have a 991 and worry about your start-stop button. I'm stupid. But uh, you care about the environment when you buy a 991. <laughs> totally. That mm-hmm. was my first yep. concern. Yep. All those carbons. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And nope, limp mode. So I'm pointing downhill, thank God. So if, like I told you guys before in a couple episodes back, when a car goes into limp mode like that, you can't really hit the gas going uphill. Because anytime it b- builds boost, it cuts out. Well, my car just turned off. So luckily, I literally just kind of coasted in limp mode right down the hill into my driveway. 
Oh, is that the same um, driveway coming down the night? Yeah. into a bush? Yeah. Yeah, that oh, same good. one. Very nice. Yeah. Good. That's, Didn't that's, hit a bush that's, with that's the car, a, though. That's a little bit of an incline, so it's good. probably good momentum. Right, yeah. yeah. So anyway, <laughs> I, I recorded the codes, and then I cleared them, and, and it runs fine again. And so I don't have a – it doesn't seem like a boost leak, which is – I don't know. I'm going to let them worry about it. But I've got a, I've got this brand new 2020 Cayenne as my loaner. So I had a Macan last time. I've got a Cayenne this time. Quite a bit bigger. Really comfortable. Yeah. Um, definitely. Ha- it's, it's, I don't like the interior design. Like everything's really, really pretty. But nothing really works as well as it should. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, thank God I have a passenger most of the time. Because I can't, the center, it's not that it's hard to figure out. It's just that nothing is easy to tact, uh, it has no tactic feedback or what are they, tactile feedback. Yeah. So you're just kind of feeling around and hoping you hit the right button. Because they all feel the same. It's like they, they designed it everything off of like the, the control panel up from the Starship Enterprise, the next generation one. Backseat's comfortable. 1701D. Yeah. Yeah. D and G and does nothing. Yeah, the, the D yeah. Enterprise yeah. with yeah. the actual like screens. And I'm with so, you. Yeah, but it's like, that's a terrible design for an actual control for anything that's moving, because you have to look at it. You have to physically look at it. Yeah. So Take your eyes off the road. Yeah, but it drives really well. It's got a standard twin turbo six. Uh, it handles really well, which is great for an SUV. Uh, it's got tons of room, beautiful interior, beautiful design all the way around. It's a really good-looking car, and it's really good-looking to sit in. But, again, you drive a car, you don't just look at it. Fair. So. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's it's nice for for a loner though. I'll tell you that. Um, there are worse things to have. Yeah. Um, so, our Carter Subaru tip of the day has uh, so one of the things I was admiring on it though is I love the new headlights on the the Porsches. Just the design of them, the, mm-hmm. just physically looking at them. Is aesthetically, a, they're beautiful. Aesthetically, they're beautiful. They work great too. They're LED though in that car, which is not a bad thing. LEDs relatively new to headlights, not so much new anymore. But one of the newer model, newer designs since um, I think production was in 2016 is laser headlights. Now, kind of a fun thing. I'm, I think they're cool. I wanted to know how that worked. And so for our Carter Subaru tip of the day, yeah, laser beams. I thought it was like, cool. Is this like, in, first thing you do, laser headlights. Is it projecting like a laser beam across the road? Well, it, it, no, that's not how it works. Uh, one, you would, it, that would be illegal for multiple of reasons. One, it would literally blind drivers or anybody who are looking straight at your headlights if you were looking at a straight laser beam. And also you'd have a very, very focused beam pattern. The whole point of a laser is to have a very focused, tight beam pattern. Okay. So... That's not how it works at all, which is really cool. To So now I know here. Okay, so what it does is it takes this um, minimum of three. I did a little research. It's hard to find beyond BMW because they're the ones who really came out with it and put it on the market. So it, in a BMW, it takes a trio of blue lasers positioned at the rear and then directs them to a set of mirrors to spread them out. And the mirrors reflect light into a lens filled with yellow phosphorus. That reacts with the blue laser and that intense a white light. It puts out an intense white light. So lots of advantages here, though. One, they're way more powerful. You can get up to 30% brighter minimum on a streetcar on your high beams. Okay. Um, and that said, they're a lot more focusable. Like the, the lenses are much more they're tighter and smaller. So that's a big deal because that means we can put much smaller headlights in vehicles, which gives designers way better control over things like aerodynamics. You don't need a huge reflector panel. If you look at like old sealed beam headlights, you have this huge box and they keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller. See little narrow slits. LEDs are a good one, but lasers can go even smaller. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, I know you're not supposed to put a, uh, LED headlights into regular reflectors. That's true. We did cover that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they can be up to 10 times brighter, 30% more power efficient, though. Big deal on uh, hybrid cars and, of course, fully electric cars. So there's good advantages there, too. Um, that said, the real question is, what happens when one of those goes bad? Uh <laughs> Uh, warranty? 
Yeah, you better hope, because uh, I found some used ones that still met. So insurance has spec for used headlights. When you replace a, a, a headlight um, used, it has to meet a certain spec to be repa- to be replaced with another with a used part. Okay. So like you can't go to a junkyard and be like, yeah, it's a headlight. It goes in there. No, it has to actually meet a certain criteria. So they are, there are grading scales for that. That's a whole another topic. But to find an insurance-grade headlight for a 2016 BMW, the earliest one I could find, the cheapest one I could find on eBay was 1500 bucks. Wow, lasers are not cheap. Per headlight. And you don't know the bulb life on that or the phosphorus life. So that headlight might even <laughs> technically not work because remember, you have phosphorus gas in there. And, it and it's an assembly. Blue light to, yeah. And so, like, uh, it's, and most of the time, you can't buy uh, a lot of electrical grade parts under a lot of insurance. Uh, like, you can't buy a used ECU for a car under most insurance plans. So the risk is too high. Like, you get it, you can't get a refund on the part. Most, part, most used parts places won't take electrical parts back. Okay. So that said, you're up to about $10,000 for a set of headlights if you're buying them new from BMW. So See, and, and this is going to affect, affect the insurance industry. Like, this is what we talked about with the Audi um, A8 and, and the roof mm-hmm. being so much, many receivers and things like that. So, you remember early projectors, those infinities that had yeah. the Altis? Those things basically went away because they're just too expensive to replace. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, people like to make the comparison, like, oh, carbon ceramic brakes will get cheaper. Well, yeah, they went from 40000 to 20000 <laughs> Half is cheap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, sixteen thousand used for a or, uh, aftermarket for a set, but there's not a lot of aftermarket people doing aftermarket laser headlights out no. there. So there are really cool standard feature on the Audi R8 now. You can the BMW i8 had them. I mean, they do work really well. They do look really cool. They have a lot of advantages, but man, cost is not one of them yet. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. But it's a really interesting technology. It's really cool to see the technology come to the market. Um, who knows where it could be used on industrial applications? But anyway, good stuff. That's Cool. Our Carter Subaru tip of the week. That's how laser headlights work. And yeah, hope you don't have to replace them anytime soon. Well, I mean, it, we'll see. We'll see if it sticks <laughs> around. That's the thing. You know, you just never know. So, well, I, it's kind of funny. If you look at R8 prices, I'm bringing this up because I'm shopping for an R8, you know, um, they're kind of a bargain if you get a 14 or 15 or prior, I guess, the first generation. Now, if you look at down, there's a downside to that. First generation R8s had virtually no upgrades at all. Like they still use a key. They don't have keyless start as an option. The stereo is still like stuck in the dash and it's still a doubled in size. Like it's a pretty old school car. All around. Drives great. One of the best yeah. driving cars out there, but it's a pretty old school car in today's terms. That's why they're, they're cheap though. You can get an R8 V10, uh, a first gen for like Sixty-five, seventy thousand. You can get a V8 for even less, and they're a bargain in a six-speed manual, by the way. V8, uh, and but they're also single-clutch cars. Hmm. But can you imagine? So let's let's assume that new R8 prices are going to do the same thing. So we'll say right now it's 2020, and 2017s are going for 120 to 140 ish, and we'll see them drop to that eighty thousand dollar range. Now, if one of those needs a headlight or two, and there's no aftermarket options, you're either going to eBay and rolling your dice. You're spending twenty thousand dollars on most of the dealership, or or for dealership markups on those. Yeah. Hey, now you're at a third of your cost of your car for headlights. So you better hope you never rear end anybody. <laughs> or there's going to be a lot of those really nice V8s on the or V10s on the market for putting in other cars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah that it's way. Yeah. still the cheapest Huracan you can buy. Let's get that clear. But it, it does bring up uh, this is a planned obsolescence. That's a great topic for another show that we should talk another time. But. Um, we have a really cool guest today. I can't wait to introduce because he's got some great stories, some great cars, some great track history, and 
He's the owner of a place we all know and love, and Nick and I frequent actually relatively often, maybe a few times I get into the city. Yeah, I had no idea I was supporting him all, you, all these years. Yeah, I mean, that makes me really happy. But Paul Blake, welcome to the show. A lot of our listeners probably know who you are. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you. Um, and if you don't know, he owns the Unicorn in downtown Seattle, which is, if you have never been down there, um, when things come back to normal, uh, you have to check it out. It's one of the best bars. Yep. I always say that when somebody new comes to town, I, yeah. that's the first bar I take. And we do. Nick and I have been there. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Yes. When uh, things open up again, please go <laughs> yes. down there and spend lots of money. <laughs> spend lots of money. Yes. <laughs> Drink heavily with your friends. If you are a <laughs> fan of, of, of Macklemore, um, his, the first video was started. It was <clears throat> filmed in there. And yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's, yes. It for a while, a, that video yeah. of, uh, was it Thrift Shop? Yeah. Right? Was part of it was filmed in Unicorn, and for a while that was the most viewed video on YouTube, like like four million more views than there are people in the world. Yeah, and that was our little bar. Crazy. Well, congratulations on that. Yeah, people probably thought it was a set, and you're like, no, that's just nope. Seattle. Welcome. Yeah. To the it's party. funny because that scene, there, it's look, they make it look like this packed nightclub, but there was only about six people like stood around him, jumping up and down. <laughs> Get the camera closer to him in the yeah. back. Yeah. 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 Did you create that that bar? No, oh. no. The whole vision has got nothing. Was uh, my partner Adam? He's okay. he's the brains behind it all. I was, he he was the design and the brains, and I you know I helped with the business side of things. Well, thank you for that. But uh, yeah. we, we, don't, we don't want to dwell on that being, being a car show. But uh, <laughs> it's definitely like it, it's with, and the reason I know it is because it's in within walking distance of Ferrari of Seattle. So like uh, you know, grab a beer. Yeah, <laughs> so, get yeah. the car service and go to yeah, go to the Unicorn. Yeah. Now you have some really cool cars in your collection. Uh, we're due for a break, but let's run down through the list and then we'll get yeah, back to your history them, and how you did it. Uh, most of them cost less than laser headlights. <laughs> <laughs> most of them. Yeah. Yes. yeah. <laughs> oh, so my cars. Okay, let's see if you can remember. So I have a. Uh, 991 GT3. Yeah. Uh, that one's slightly more than laser headlights. <laughs> um, then I have an, uh, an FD RX7 Type R from Japan. So steering wheel's on the right, wrong side. Or the right side. Or the right, the right side, side for you, yeah. 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 And I also have another JDM car, uh, the, which is outside. Uh-huh. You saw the, it's an R33 Skyline GTR. Love that car. And then what else we've got? We've got a... 85 911 Carrera Targa. Mm-hmm. Um, Lancia Integrale, white one, 1990. That's one of my favorites. That's a great you? car. Yeah. And that's like the grocery gear. It's the only car with four doors that I have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's like, a, you know, uh, it's won the World Rally Championship six times. And yeah. it's like my sensible car. <laughs> it's a good way to get to the store fast. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and if you have to take a back road. Yeah. Yeah. And... Um, an NSX, the uh, first year, 1991 NSX, um, with some modifications. It has a six-speed from the from a later NSX because the five-speeds were a bit of a dog in those cars. Yep. Had a failure rate and also the two long ratios that didn't make well make use of the relatively low power. Um, but we also fixed that because it's got a supercharger. Yeah. So it makes like high 300s at the wheels. That's perfect for that car. Yeah. Yeah, it's a beast. And the previous owner also removed the um, ABS and traction control. <laughs> I think. Who needs why that? do you need that? You know, those, so early, those early systems were pretty terrible. Though. Yeah, they cut in really, yeah, really yeah. violently. It was like you'd be full throttle in, and you're going into a corner, then boom. Yeah, right. And the out, same yeah. with the ABS; it was just juddering. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Yeah. So, but on the on the other side, it's it's now quite a handful <laughs> you know, with no traction control and all that power and pretty light. 
Yeah, I I remember on the early Lamborghinis and the Murcielago and stuff, the traction control was absolutely terrible in those cars, and so all the owners would literally coat it out. They would get mm -hmm. it, or they just pulled the fuse. They pulled the fuse so it just wouldn't come on because it just made the car almost undrivable because those had so much power and torque that they would just turn on all the time. Yeah, and it, I mean, they might have helped a little bit on the street, but on a track, they cut out just when you needed power. Like yeah. when you're on exit, and the car's starting to move a little bit, it would just die. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's where wrong. you want it to die. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Right. So um, how do you fit in the NSX? I'm thinking about it because the early ones, I've always wanted one, but every time I went to go sit in one, I would like kick myself sideways. Yeah, no, it actually is quite, um, you know, I forgot another car. I always oh, forget. Oh, okay. I have a Lotus Esprit. Oh, that's right. And it's yeah. like almost the same year as the, it's a 90. The Esprit's a 90 and the NSX 91. is a 91. And so they're kind of contemporary, but... The, the Esprit is terrible and the NSX is amazing right? <laughs> and I don't fit in the Esprit it's like but the thing is you can the, the 91 was the first year of the NSX but the Esprit had been around since the 70s and so it's like already a 20 year old design whereas the NSX was brand new then and you can really tell you know yeah and the interior room in the NSX is uh is quite good I can fit in there quite easily I'm about six foot one did the, did the roof come off the original 91 NSX no, no, no. Okay, the, so it was a hard they time. look like they do because okay. they all have the um, two-tone paint. They're, all the roofs are black. So mine's right. silver with a black roof, and it looks like a target top, but it isn't. Okay. <laughs> but this, uh, the roof comes off the Esprit. Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, well the panel does. Yes. Yeah. See. Yeah. Somewhere on the top area, panel comes. Well, off. is yeah. it yes. is it a target though? No, 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 no. It's just a center section yes, that comes out, yeah. right? Like the 944. Yeah, yeah okay. Right. Yeah. The big sunroof that comes off. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's it, it, this, yeah, my 944, it was funny because it like would pivot up and down, but you had to like physically remove it. And it wasn't like a target top. You just remove the center section of the roof and put it in the trunk. Yeah. And both those cars I've spent some time on the track in. Uh -huh. Not just the ones I have, but many Esprits I've uh, raced. And uh, I have to sit kind of sideways with a helmet. You know, I slouch down in the seat. <laughs> and a racing seat helps because you're a bit lower. But there's really not much. Uh, there's nowhere to go on an Esprit. You're already, the seat is already sat on the floor. Yeah. With your legs out straight. So I just have to kind of sit sideways to get my head in. With a, It's very difficult to drive on a track. Cause it's so, so, you know, you're at my size anyway. You know, the steering's heavy. The clutch is heavy, and, the, and my, my one foot covers all three pedals. You know, yeah. the pedals are all super covered. tiny gearbox. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I used yeah. to drive it with uh, one shoe off. You know, so I could feel <laughs> it was kind of a violation of fire codes to not have your uh, right. racing shoe on. But it was the only way I could Good for heel touch pedal. the pedals. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've played with a lot of JDM cars. I don't have. I don't have. I have normal size feet. I have size 10 and a half. And most of my RX-7, my S2000, all of them, they were all so much more comfortable with no shoes. Because <laughs> right, yeah. those, those little tiny Japanese pedal boxes, you're just like, you, everything's close together and small. Even the pedals, the physically, they're physically smaller. And so mm. just taking my shoes off was always way better. Um, we're overdue for our first bake, break. So Back too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Seattle. Pretty we'll be much. right back. Yeah. <laughs> we spend an average of eight hours and 41 minutes a day facing screens. Laptops, smartphones, tablets, even digital refrigerators. But what are we really connected to? Isn't it time you connected to something greater? Sometimes the best way to connect is to disconnect. This moment of escape was created by Haggerty for people who love cars. And we're back. Uh, before the break, we were talking about what fun it is for such a tall person like you to drive in such a small car like the Lotus. Um, 
we, we had a chance to go outside and look at your beautiful uh, GTR. Um, and I love that car. I love everything. And I know that a lot of America knows those cars because of the uh, was it the R34 and the R32, right? Because that, that's a 33? Yes, right. It's a 33. Okay. I mean, how did you go about starting to find one of those cars? Like, I mean, did, 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 you, did you have to search all over the world? Was it hard to find? No, no. Um, see, that's not generally how I buy cars. Okay. Um, I don't target a car. They just sort of show up, you know? Fair enough. Like, okay. think, wow. They were like, meant to be. Yeah, yeah. right. Okay. And um, I have a friend, uh, Adam, who owns Soda Motors. Oh, yeah. And, I know Adam. Yeah. And, uh, Great guy. So I bought several cars off him. And they just kind of like, hey, Paul, I've got this cool car, you know? <laughs> um, so and that, that What was, a great friend to have. Yes. And uh, that was one of them. But thankfully, also, he also buys them back off me. Like, well, no, yeah. <laughs> That's his business. You're just taking care of them for him. Yes. 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 Fair enough. Yeah. So I bought an, um, I bought that from him, and I bought the uh, FDRX7 from him, and I bought a Fiat R Bath, a 1980s uh, Ritmo R Bath from him. Oh, okay. A while ago. Yeah. Um, I love that era of 80s uh, hot hatches. You know, mm-hmm. like the Golf GTI and the. Um, but in in Europe, we had all these weird ones that never made it here, like the Renault Clio. Yeah, uh, rear-mounted V6 right. Clio. Well, yeah. there's a there was a more basic Clio mm-hmm. as well, the Clio like a Clio Williams, which is front engine, um, yeah. just a regular hot hatch, not as exotic as the mid-engine V6. Still really cool though. Yeah, yeah, and you're starting to see them show up now because they're getting t- they're um, over 25 years old, uh, but not as they're not as well known here as the Japanese cars and. Yeah, and so the 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 Fiat Ritmo was kind of Fiat's answer to the um, that hot hatch craze of the eighties, and I I love that car, but not that much because I <laughs> got rid of it after like well, one well, year. Cars are a cool thing, but let's get back to you. Me. To yes, let's talk about you because this is owning cars is one cool thing. The unicorn's another really cool thing, but you have a motorsports history. So you've been doing this for a long time, and obviously you're what from Brooklyn, from the accent? Sure. Yes, right. Yeah. <laughs> He's from yes. it's Tennessee, can't you? Oh yeah, it's southern. Yeah, it's southern. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I grew up in in Yorkshire, uh-huh. England, and uh, my mom t- taught me how to drive in a mini in a field. Right. <laughs> and so when I was about 13, 14, so I was a rally driver before I could actually drive on the street. So that's how I started. Yeah, my dad was a um, a mechanic. We were associated with you know, local uh, kind of amateur, low-level racing, rallying. And um, that's how I got into it. Through uh, uh, um, We always had ca- uh, cars that my dad was, project cars that my dad was working on, old Jags and Triumphs. And, uh, yeah, I got into racing through that. And my first race car was a Fiat 128, <laughs> of all things. Yeah. That's, that's a good safe car for your mom yeah. to put you in. For the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I think that taught me a lot, right? With ty- it was many years before I had anything close to 150 horsepower. You know, I was racing with 100 horsepower and less yeah. for, for years. And you a little re- more skill involved with that. Yeah. yeah, you really learn how to thrash it, you know? You've got to get everything out of it. And uh, now as a coach for Porsche, well, Porsche Club of America, you know, I see... Uh, people showing up with GT2 RSs, GT3s for their first experience of the track and how to approach that as a coach of like, well, you're never really going to learn. You can learn to drive this car fast around a track, but you like, how can you learn to drive, you know? And I was fortunate, I guess, that I learned to drive in 
low power cars on grass <laughs> yeah. muddy fields <laughs> yeah i think there is something to that in the fact that uh, other guests have brought that up in the fact that you have to kind of learn how to drive fast in a really slow car before you can drive fast in a Real fast car. Yeah, 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 right. But as a coach for people that are coming to track days, mm-hmm. I can't really say... Uh, go buy Miata. Yeah, you know, go, <laughs> go away. Come back in a 3 Series BMW. They're just, they're just there to have fun. Thank you for bringing your GT2. Get in the Fiat. Yes, right? <laughs> yeah. So how to, how to coach them in those really powerful, capable cars, um, which is, you know, so... It's doable, right? We focus on technique and smoothness and all those kinds of things, but um, you're never really going to learn to to hang it out there, you know, and get on the edge of those cars unless uh, you get on the edge of... Doing it wrong. Yes, right. Well, the, doing it wrong is the the uh, the cost is higher, right? Not just the maintenance cost and the repair cost, but I mean the the risk is higher oh, right? yeah. because you're at higher speeds, yeah. I had a similar conversation with somebody. Um, so I've, I've gone through tons of cars in my life. Low-powered little Volkswagen, the Scirocco that I started with, all the way up to... I was driving my C7 Z06, and uh, I had a C6 as well. But my C7 was the first one that really... Had, the C6 like had the opposite of what you consider safety controls, where it was like the traction control was like, well, it'll just let you slide it farther. And then the C7, though, actually worked really well. And it was surprising how much you, how far you could push that car because it would save you. And in a car like that, you need saving. If you're too heavy on the throttle coming through a corner, you're going to go sideways immediately. And that car knew it. So it was really easy to drive fast compared to relatively compared to older ones. But um, we went for a drive on Highbridge with a friend of mine and experienced driver. And he was not an amateur, but corner to corner, the speed you could pick up, you're coming out of a corner at 15 mile an hour corner and you're coming out of it at 25. By the time you get to the next corner, which is not that far away, you're doing 110 within just a super, super short distance. And then you're just slamming on those carbon ceramics and they work, but it's like the amount of trouble you can get in faster is insane because it's like, you know, if you're driving, you know, a Miata, that next corner with still, you know, good brakes for the size of the car, you're doing 40, not 110. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's the problem we have with coaching, you know, relative new uh, beginners in these cars like Turbo S's, you know, they're getting to 150 miles an hour on the straight in, uh, Pacific, and so we have to act, we have to kind of coach them to take it easy. Like let's just coast down the f- coast uh, down the straight yeah, at so hundred yeah hundred <laughs> miles an hour, and and then work on the corner. You know yeah, but we'll survive at a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How long right. have you been doing working with the Porsche Club? Um, about ten or eleven years. Okay. Um, and uh, last year I was uh, promoted, if that's the right word. Since <laughs> we're all we're all volunteers. Yes. <laughs> I promoted to chief driving instructor for Northwest. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And so I was really really excited about that. And then this year, um, everything. <laughs> really so the first year of me being in charge of <laughs> the coaching, there's no coaching. Yeah. So it's really ha- we've really had to change, uh, hopefully temporarily, uh, what we do at the track. But we still we're, we're finally having track days again now. Um, Tell me more about your actual racing history, though, because you've done a lot. You're not, I mean, you didn't just learn to drive and be an instructor. Like, you've actually done some serious racing, too. Yes, I guess so. Yeah, I started racing in the UK, um, club racing, um, you know, kind of GT sports cars, Lotus Esprit, and uh, an S13 um, Nissan. Sylvia. Yeah, 200 SX was the UK spec. Yeah. Right, so that, uh, um, 
Yeah. That was back when numbers made sense. That's a two liter in yes, my four, two right? Yeah, the, the, the SR20 DET. Yes, yeah, yes. Out of the, we had it yeah. in the S, Sentra SER here, yeah. and the the 20 DET was in the 200 there. Yes, yeah, yeah and Lotus, and it, uh, so club racing at places like Donington and Silverstone. Cool. Um, yeah, and then sort of got involved with the, this was the mid-90s in, uh, in the UK, and it was kind of like the, the beginning of uh, track days as a thing, right? And I was involved with the British Racing Drivers Club, the BRDC, and they started to put on um, track days at Silverstone, and they had just the most amazing... Uh, they would be on days where Porsche uh, were testing, you know, like the 911 GT1 car and the Le Mans cars, and you were just mixing it up on track with all these, uh, <laughs> with like F1 testing. What just passed me? Yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, the, and, the, and the coaches that would show up from the BRTC, like I remember being at uh, um, Silverstone and um, Derek Bell was there, you know, and he would just get in your Never car. Never heard of him. Who? Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's, it was quite amazing times. And that kind of, kind of was my first taste of coaching. Like I'd never been coached, right? And... But then around that time, late 90s, I moved to the U.S. and I started SCCA racing in the Midwest of all places with a Porsche 944 Turbo. Mm. And I did a two or three years racing those. and then Fantastic car if you don't have to maintain yes. it. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so I, st- I've had, I raced many 944s before I even got in a 911, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Probably because of the because they're more, they're cheaper. <laughs> they handle great though, and at the time, better than at the time they were built, much better than the nine eleven. Yeah, the nine five ones were pushing the same kind of uh, you know performance numbers as the nine eleven. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah. Without the pendulum swing out of death, yeah. Yeah, and then um, yeah, I did some uh, test driving in the UK as well for Lotus, working on the. Um, V8 Esprit and the S1 Elise in the mid-90s before I moved to the U.S. Uh, so I've always, that's why I've kind of had this soft spot for Lois. Um, well, the Elise is a fantastic car for the track. I mean, it's hard to get a better car for out of the box, honestly. Yeah, no, they're great. They're great. I love them. And, you know, strangely, they're, they're about the, 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 um, the S2 Elise parked next to my Esprit. They're the same size and bigger mm-hmm. inside. Like, the, you think of the Esprit as this kind of big supercar, but... It's tiny. It's the size of an Elise. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's got a really high center tunnel uh, compare for its size. Right. Yeah, so that's why you're so cramped in there. I've driven a couple of them over the years. The, the I drove a, a V8 and uh, what's the turbo? Uh, just I'm just in a Spree turbo. They were mid '90s though. I think yeah. when I drove uh, the gears, I drove. I drove them in the 2000s. But man, they're they're a trip to drive. They're great for what I don't know. I should say that. I shouldn't say that. They're kind of not great compared to now, but they're still so cool. Yeah, yeah. No, I have the same feeling about this Brie. It's, it's terrible in many ways. You know, you can't see out of it. It's hard to get in and out of. Um, you know, the ergonomics are terrible, but it's just so get just so fantastic feeling, like a like like it, sort of homemade, home built feel to it. You yeah, know? yeah, like a real race car. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, tons of driver feedback, and if uh, if any of our listeners have the opportunity, if you, if all you've driven is newer cars, and even great cars, if you've driven newer, like I would say, like even nine nine three, really, but really when they switched to the 
the water cooling and up Porsches and things like that. And you've never driven a car that was really built in the 80s and 90s for performance, like a, especially a British car or a Japanese car. Like there's so much feedback and it's yeah, kind of overwhelming right. at first. Yeah. If you thinking back to my list of cars there, they're all like uh, late 80s, early 90s. And for me, it's kind of like the time of car development, the, the last of those kind of truly analog cars before uh, computer controls came in, yeah. you know. But they still have, I think, 70s and, eight, 70s and earlier 80s cars are terrible. You know, they have terrible brakes, <laughs> yeah. um, terrible cooling. Roll. Yeah, <laughs> no Because they were designed for 1970s tires. Yeah, right? yeah. But, eight, you know, 90s cars have, have power, have brakes, but they're still, it's still real driving. You yeah. Know? Well, the NSX is regarded as such a great car because of that. Yeah. Is it really handles. Like, I mean, if you, even comparing it to the other cars of the time, the 300ZX, the, the RX-7, not so much, but the 300ZX, the Supra, the other two of the four, either the 3000 GT or the Mitsubishi FTO or GTO at the time, like they're all very heavy and big yeah. and very electronic. But the RX-7 and the, uh, the 240s and the, um, the, uh, the other JDM cars at the time were light and tiny. The NSX was so yeah. like that. The RX-7 is tiny. Super yes, tiny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and people don't realize that until you see an FD in person how small yes. it is. It's like in fact, the auto even small. the even the NSX you think of as this big, long, wide, low yeah, supercar. It's, it's tiny. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's really a great car. car to drive. Yeah, yeah. So so after um, some SCCA racing, uh, again, you know, kind of amateurish club racing in the nine five one, I ended up in Seattle and just went to a few. I got involved with Porsche Club and coaching. As kind of, I think I'm a better driver now than I was. So I, I raced for 15, 20 years. And it wasn't until I started coaching that I knew how to drive, you know, because I didn't know what, I was going to say I didn't know what I was doing. But what I mean is I didn't know how to articulate what I was doing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and you have to learn that in order to coach, right? To describe what you're doing. And it really, uh, I wish I could start again, you know? Like if I, it's kind of the old, like I'm in my early fifties now. That old, like, oh, if I knew, if I knew then what I do now, <laughs> I would. How dangerous would you yeah, be? Yeah, right. Yeah. Formula yeah. One world champion and so on. But, <laughs> but it's true. I I never really thought about <laughs> driving until I became a coach. I just got in and thrashed it. on it. Yeah, yeah, right. And I'm so much better of a driver than it now than I was when I was actually racing. You know, I was. I'm just fifty pounds heavier. You know, and, <laughs> and yeah. I just remove the passenger seat. You're good to go. <laughs> yes. I applaud you for teaching anybody to in a race car. Like I can't imagine. We've talked to our, some of our friends that have done that stuff, and I'm like, I am, when, when I've had people instructors in my car talking to me, and I and I'm thinking I'm doing yeah. great, and they're scared. I can't imagine the other times. It's like where you yeah. just want, you know you get that no, third I, brake foot. <laughs> I don't get that at all. Yeah. So students often say that to me when they get in the car, like, oh, let me know if I'm gonna if it's too much. I like. Nothing you can do is going to scare me, you know. Yeah. But I don't say that. Challenge yeah. accepted. <laughs> <laughs> no, he said that, but he was screaming <laughs> really loud to that fifth turn. Yeah. <laughs> but in fact, I've even been, you know, I find it kind of in the afternoon after lunch and it's hot. I'm even kind of like nodding off a little bit in, <laughs> in the in the passenger seat of a race car. Yeah, no, it's it's. But again, I've been doing it for ten years, so it's uh, um, not not scary at all for me. <laughs> Much more scary when I'm in the driver's seat. So we might have to edit this if you guys can hear that. But so there's a GT2 RS that's very uh, modified in the best way. <laughs> We're laughing. Because and it set off a car alarm yeah, yeah. on the Cayenne across from it. 
yeah, driver's club problems. He set off his Cayenne, <laughs> just so we're clear. Yeah. No, that's his Cayenne on the right. That's uh, <laughs> oh, okay, Dan- fine, yeah. uh, Dante's. Uh, yeah. This is exactly like my driver's meetings at Porsche Club days. I, halfway through the driver's meeting, everyone starts warming up their GT3 RSs. You know? like, and so. we're going to do this. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, that car is beautiful. Uh, what are you doing now then? Uh, you're, you're instructing. Are you still racing? No, no. They know it's fun. I have a funny story actually. The last, the last uh, um, race, well, competitive event, let's say, it was a time trials event uh-huh. for SCCA time trials at Pacific Raceways. Um, and it was my last trophy I ever won. It, I was first in this, uh, first in class. I think it was at 2014. And um, just the other day, I was cleaning the house, and I, sm- I knocked the trophy off the shelf and smashed it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> time to win a new one. Yeah, yes. time to do so it. That's exactly what I said. Yeah. I said, damn it, all right, I'm going to go back into time trials and get another trophy. Yeah. It's the like car gods telling you. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So let's talk a little bit more about, or give you, give us your insight on, on your approach to coaching and how you go about it. <sighs> yes. Is it a screaming method? Is it a <laughs> lots of yeah. screaming? Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> no, the opposite of that actually. I, <laughs> I, I don't say much in the car, right? Um, in fact, I don't use a headset. I know other coaches do. They have you know he- helmet headsets, mm-hmm. but I, I try to minimize chit chat while we're out there. I can point, you know. Um, and yell when necessary. Don't hit that. Yeah, yeah. but mostly <laughs> um, it's uh, yeah very little input, right? So the the less talking I can do, the better. Because um, it's a distraction, correct? Right. Okay. And so my approach is with on the more beginner side, you have to you have to spend time in the car with them to find out where their driving is, right? And you're usually working on things like smoothness and you know the classic stuff: smooth inputs, smooth smooth application of pressure on brakes but it's it's very rewarding to teach beginners because they get so much better so quickly right like taking someone from three out of ten to eight out of ten you can do that in one day sometimes right because they've got so much room to improve but the 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 challenge is getting people from eight out of ten to nine out of ten right and often when you get when you get the opportunity to coach better drivers they have already they're they're confident in their abilities you know and they haven't had coaching in a while maybe and and it's harder to uh kind of unlearn the things that they're doing wrong one of the things that i work on with better drivers is we're not talking about racing lines or you know inputs smoothness because they know all that already what what i like to work on with with is like letting the car tell you what to do, right? You don't know if you're at the limit until you've gone past it slightly, right? And so that, but that's a very scary thing for many drivers to kind of deliberately approach the limit of a car where it's 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 almost out of control, but you're but you're controlling it. That razor's edge kind yes, of thing, okay. right? And it's. What are you laughing about? I'm just thinking of the first time I went into a corner too hot on a track and I was standing on the brakes so hard and you feel the rear end get super light. Yeah. And then, and then you're like, right. okay, that was breaking a little too late and going a little too fast right. into that right. corner. So when that happens and you didn't plan it. Yeah. That's you didn't plan it. It's, right? that's, 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 a, that's a frightening moment. So what I try and encourage to do is get those moments to happen where you do plan it, mm-hmm. right? So, and you first explore those moments in lower speed corners, right? So it's like deliberately understeering at 35 miles an hour into corners and and um, 
like aiming inside of apexes so that you look as if you're going to go on the grass, but then applying the power so take it away from the apex as you sort of uh, four-wheel drift out onto the exit. <laughs> that is terrifying the first time you do it. Right. Absolutely terrifying. Right. But So you learn that at 45 miles an hour rather than 110. Yeah. <laughs> Even at 45, if you you've can never still done do it a lot before. of damage at 45, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's on a track, it's yeah. a lot of easier to contain, but yeah. Yeah, yeah and again, it's also risk-reward, right? Where where can I push the limits in a safe way? Yeah. Right? Obviously not next to concrete walls, yeah. but <laughs> at 45 miles an hour with lots of gravel runoff, you know, so getting drivers to get that have plateaued, that have been driving for years and years, out of that plateau and into, get from 9 out of 10 to 9.5 out of 10, you know, is... is um, for me, it's more rewarding than me driving. Like when I do uh, um, Porsche days, I, yeah, I do drive, but I I don't drive as much. I, you know, I, I'm not there to drive every session. You know, I'm there to. My reward now is not driving fast. It's making it's letting making other people drive fast, seeing their improvements. You know, and it's actually been more rewarding as a. I mean, it's not a career because I don't get paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> Although I have been, you know, it's, but not not much. Yeah. Um, it's been more rewarding than my racing career, neither of which have been particularly financially rewarding. <laughs> right? But definitely coaching has been where I've sort of found myself and found my understanding of driving and seeing other people get better from my inputs and with my help is has been more rewarding than me winning races. That's a lot of sacrifice on your part. I mean, I think that's wonderful that you're you're improving the world, which <laughs> makes you think for drivers. Yeah. yeah. Most coaches you will also get the same answer, I think. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I'm I've taught people to wake surf and there's it's way better. Like I I like to drive the boat. Even though I love wake surfing, I'll wake surf until my legs go dead. But getting a bunch of people who've never done it before, and especially right, yeah, if they yeah. don't feel like they're that athletic, it's one of those things I can get most people who even aren't that athletic to do and have fun. I got my dad up on the wake surf board. He left me in the middle of the lake once. I, I did, wasn't it right. but it was it was him. It's fine. Yeah, but, no. <laughs> I know what I did. No, but you're right. It's, I totally get it because it's just like you get that 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 satisfaction's different. You get you know you're proud of them, and you're also like yes, yes, like, right. Yeah. And you know that you've launched another a world, opened a world for yeah. them, right? So it's not necessarily about me. Uh, helping their skills it's just helping it's like opened up a world that they they take off on their own now you know yeah, you found a new form of joy that you've never experienced before you don't get to say yes. that as a lot as an adult yes. you've experienced a lot as you right. get older and so you find something new that nobody's ever experienced before that you can give them that's a great feeling yeah and I know drivers now that are coaches now with Porsche that I was their first instructor you know five or six seven years ago and I haven't taken them all the way from being a novice to a, to an instructor but I set it off you know what I yeah. mean and you know, and that's really great to see that. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, it's 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 important. Like I said, you're people are coming away from the track. I know a lot of people have, have have ridden with instructors, and they come away and they're like, "I don't feel like I learned anything. I feel like I got yelled at all day, and I did it didn't help me." And I mean, and a lot of that is their attitude, and I agree. But I think yeah. that's wonderful when somebody can come away from the track and go, "Look, I am a better driver, not only on the track but in, in the real world because of this." And he didn't <coughs> yell at me when he didn't have to, you know. So yeah, it's usually yeah. followed by, "I'm going to also be poor." Yeah. <laughs> I want to be a race car driver. That's you know, cheap. my, my yeah. experience has been that we don't get too many, too much of that situation you're saying where people don't, the, the instructor and the and the student don't click or they they're refusing to take input. That happens very rarely. But I think people with the right mindset are going to 
there's track days to go to that don't have instruction, right? Mm-hmm. And many people chose chose those. But you're right that driving is like a particularly kind of, especially for men, it's like sort of everybody thinks they're good at it. Right? <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> and, and like a novice at the track is not a novice driver. They've been driving all their life. They're not used to taking instruction, you know? Yes. Right, they're used to being the they're boss. the capital of their industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. But surprisingly, we I don't f- experience that much of that pushback Um and maybe Probably the way you, you, you approach it. I mean, there's a yeah. lot to that. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, if you do, all you need to do is take them out for a few laps with you driving. Yep. I used to take a... I worked Let in me the mo- show what you can do in your car. <laughs> right. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. exactly. When I was working in the motorcycle industry, I'd, I'd get uh, guys who'd been riding cruisers and stuff their whole life, and they weren't buying sport bikes, but I'd ask them if they'd ever done a track day, and they'd look at me like I'm crazy. And I'm like, no, they have track days for... So it's it's, it's yeah. for all bikes. Dragon, you know, dragon saddlebags. Yeah, so they call them dragon the the because you have those uh, the floor the floorboards you know yeah, on right. the side and stuff. So be like, I was like, no, it's like this is it's like, if you haven't done this, I don't care if you've been riding forty years. It's like you're gonna have the time of your life and you're gonna be a better rider in one day than you did the last twenty or thirty years of riding because you've never drip you know ridden a bike like it was capable of doing and they have classes for that here that actually sounds like a lot of fun it's a ton of <laughs> yeah. fun and so i'd send them out because you don't know you're how terrible of a writer you are until you've seen a uh, a cop oh do it. i've watched those cone yeah, courses and they, with the police, with the police and, and, and they're oh, doing yeah. it on like some old school like yeah. you know 70s harley and you're yeah. like okay i suck yeah and so i would make a deal i'd get i'd get guys in there and be like tell you what I was like, you go do this track day because we had a, we had a discount through the shops. You know, we'd send them. It's like, okay, you come through our referral, you get like fifteen or twenty percent off or something at a too fast track day. At uh, this is back before the ridge, so uh, Pacific it was SIR at the time. And so you go to that. So you do it on there. You tell them I sent you. So then if you think it was a waste of your money, you didn't learn anything. You come back and I will pay you for that track day. And they would go back and they would just thank me every single time. And never once I said, you crash, it's on you. That's not my problem. <laughs> but but <laughs> if you go down there, I said, you think you didn't, that wasn't worth every cent you paid. And I was like, I will pay it out of my pocket. And I said, I'd give it to them in writing every single time. And those guys would come back and thank me every single time. Didn't matter if they were 20 and usually military guys who get their first sport bike and die a week later until they didn't do the track days. But it was, I'd, I'd try and convince the guys who were like in their 40s and their 50s. And they're cruising with their wife on the back. And they're like, you're doing a track day. So now it's like, no, you go to an instructor out there, you take your bike. It doesn't matter what you're riding. I don't care if you're riding, you know, a bagger or whatever, or a dual sport, but you get out there and you come back and they'd be like, their wives thank them. They come back and thank me. It was like, it's the best thing you will ever do with your money. The you idea of being on a, on a big, like a road king sounds a lot of fun. Sport bike I get, but like a road king out there would be oh, fun. So yeah. yeah. Anyway, so I'm just you saying. Know, yeah. You know, yeah. I should do that because I ride, right? I have an oh. I have a, uh, early 2000s R6 and I'm not nowhere near the rider that I could, like I'm a driver right I've never been on the track in my bike ever oh man and I think it's just because I've had a lifetime of dedicated to four wheels on the track that have never occurred to me to do well, that. you'll do great because you know all the lines so the lines are the same so it's just you know when you be man I've never felt slower when I was out on the track and I had, a, I had an instructor going to me on the outside of the turn where I think I'm hauling <laughs> and he's like all right you're doing this wrong you need to change it. I'm yeah. like uh yeah <laughs> and I'm to me I'm like nine out of ten like you know borderline edge and he's on the outside of the turn in a slower bike that he's just like all right here's what you're doing and he's totally <laughs> calm and relaxed i'm like i am so slow yeah. i don't know what to but that stands true for my driving too is yeah. that i love to find someone who's faster than me and it still happens of course yeah. and um if i encounter if i see someone on the track and they and i have to let them by and follow them and they get away from me i go straight over to that guy at the end of the session and like what what you know i want to know what he's doing yeah high like, five man yes <laughs> yeah. that's awesome yeah and you know it still happens um I got passed a few times this weekend at ORP. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what were you driving? I was at ORP in my GT3. We had a two-day uh, Porsche Club track day there. It was great. 
great awesome. uh, um, great track uh, session sizes you know about 20 drivers per group mm-hmm. and three groups of about 20 drivers so that was great and not too hot because it often gets hot there in the middle of the desert basically yeah, yeah. Yes. funny how that happens yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I if I would if it was up to me, I would make it mandatory for people to take track days, cars or motorcycles. It's the best thing you ever do in your life. Doesn't matter what you're driving. Doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be a race day. I mean, it's not at all what it is about. If you've ever been there, it's the just the most fun you can ever have in your car. Doesn't matter what you're driving. Take your minivan out there. I don't care. But you'll have a blast. Yeah, Ooh, I know. Minivan that would be better. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people obsess over not obsess, but concerned over their. Uh, car not being up to the task right yeah and it's like on the first days first year of track days it doesn't matter what you're driving it doesn't matter what tires you've got you know yeah. like <laughs> learn to drive like your the tires are your tires and brakes are not your problem you know in, <laughs> yeah. in your first year of tracks right and um yeah i think there's a lot of mental barrier to and um, people create these barriers by saying you know of always prepping the car of why um why they're not ready for the track or why they're not uh, fast. And it's not the equipment, it's the driving, right? Yeah. And you just have to sort of open your mind to that, to be uh, to be coached, you know? Yep, exactly. Well, it's a great time for our next break, so let's take one and we'll be right back. Open your mind to it. Open your mind to, <laughs> to the, the message from the Haggerty. Message to Haggerty. Yeah, exactly. Grandpa, what do you call this thing again? It's a 66 Ford Bronco. I think you got ripped off. Why is that, honey? It's got no Wi-Fi, no USB port, no Bluetooth. Exactly. I guess we'll just have to talk. Sometimes the best way to connect is to disconnect. Is that the window button? It's called a window crank. Cool. The faster I move it, the faster it goes down. This moment of escape was created by Haggerty. Being old is kind of cool, Grandpa. Works for me. For people who love cars. All right, so this is an important question to people that are listening to this. How are you going to replace that trophy? Because that's important. Yes. There's a dust spot somewhere that needs a trophy. Yeah, I think it was the only first place trophy I had, actually. Well, all these years, and and that was my only first place. Well, not my only first place, but the only, you know, with physical evidence of. (laughs) And I smashed it. But yes, I have a chance this August. My friend Naomi, who uh, uh, races Rally with Dirtfish, she got me to enter rally in August. Stock all-wheel drive class. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to show up and race. So um, I kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of on the hook to, wi- to, to win a trophy there. It'll be interesting to see how that car does off-road. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'd, yes. you're probably the first person to do that. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, it, uh, you yeah. know, it stays in one piece. But yes, no, they're they're, they're <laughs> that's an actual risk when driving. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, boy, I hope I come back with as many parts as I left with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's 30 years old as yeah. well. Yeah, right. So yes, uh, maybe we can have a we can do an update in a few months. Absolutely, I'd love to. And I'll bring the trophy. In. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, pressure's on now. If not, we'll get you a trophy that said you tried. Yes, right. <laughs> first place at trying. Yeah. Number one trier. Yep, yep. That, honestly, it's just awesome that you're actually going to take that car and drive it the way for what it was designed to do. You just don't people do that. They're just collectors' items, of collecting dust now, or rarely driven. Kevin. Ooh! Wow, that that came out of nowhere. (laughs) Yes, that's why my cars are always breaking. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. but I mean, yeah, you can't break it. It's in the driveway. Yeah. 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 Well, you can if it's Italian. (laughs) It's fair. fair. (laughs) Or British in your case. Yeah. I don't know. Mine's always smoking, but you know, I I was I took a lap around uh, Mercer Island. Some yeah, peckerhead in a Porsche was on my ass the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) 
But it's yeah. okay, because then you know, the front of his car's got pretty much oil all of it now, so it's good. <laughs> you know, remember the snow about two years ago? We had this great, uh, huge snowstorm yeah. in Seattle, oh, yeah. right? right? And I had the, the Integrale at my house in preparation for that, because I have some storage. Obviously, I don't have all, all the cars at my house, so I had the Integrale ready. The day the snow came, it wouldn't start <laughs> for a week. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. It yeah. said no. I'm not, do- yeah. I'm not doing that. Yeah. 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 I had the Land Cruiser in that. Yeah. I sold it to some sucker, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine owning that thing now. I mean, no, geez, the gas. It's not mom. even listening to me. I know. That's okay. <laughs> the new owners here. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, that'll be, I'm excited to hear about that. I just, like I said, I can't, can't believe you're actually going to go race in Integral. You just don't see that anymore. So that'll be awesome. I hope somebody gets some awesome pictures of that. Cause just somebody what, at Dirtfish will. I hope so. We'll tell Trevor to get a bunch If of only photos. we knew yeah. somebody. Yeah, I know. I was going to say. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, we'd go talk to Trevor over there. Um, that was cool. You, you mentioned you did the uh, Avant Loop. There was a lot of cars there. And there was a lot of people that came out. Everything from, you know, there was a ton of R8s, actually. I was laughing about yeah. that. Um, but there was, I mean, there's some guy came out in this giant uh, woody, like it looked like the like the, the the car from like Family Vacation and uh, <laughs> wood paneling and everything. And there was everything. The Triumph was out there. A um, lot, lot of Porsches and a lot of Avance members, a lot of people that just kind of found out about it. It was a lot of fun. I actually didn't follow them down to Griots, but I mean, yeah. you know, they stopped at the, uh, what's going to be the Metropolitan Market now at in Mercer Island. And that lot filled up really fast. And they were across the street and then McDonald's and I think there were four or five lots. They almost spread all the way to QFC, but it was a good it was a good atmosphere. Everybody, everybody was distancing, but getting to see everybody. It was like really the first time I was in a car group in a in a in a, in a lot talking to people. So well, I was up and ready to go, and I know couldn't make it because okay. the car wouldn't drive. But yeah, yeah. So, so I took DJ. Yeah, that's <laughs> I mean, awesome. I made him. He's been working. Aja's been gone, so I dug him out of his house. I'm like, you're coming with me. So I love it. He has like three cars here, and, and two of them are over there. Yeah, yeah. And two yeah. of them yeah. are right yeah. here. <laughs> he rides with you. That's great. Yeah. Uh, you doing uh, well for our listeners? You missed the uh, by the time this airs, you missed the uh, DIY training series uh, exhaust modifications with Stu's Garage. Should have watched that, of course. Uh, Northwest Express Rally is coming up July 25th um, and 26th, of course. It's a two-day thing. That's going to be cool. And then, hey, as we've been talking about this episode, uh, RTGT Track Day at Portland International Raceway with our friends at Avance. This is a HPD event, High Performance Driving Experience, I think is what that is. Driving Education. Education, yes. Way better. Education. It's like he knows what we're talking I know. about. <laughs> yeah, so beginner to advance. Hey, if you're an Avance member, here is your chance. 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. I'm not sure if that's full yet. It doesn't look like it, though. So, hey, as if you've been listening here, if you want to do this, uh, sponsored by Ron Talking Grand Turismo. Uh, if you're 10% listening discount. To this and you're not an Avance member. You yeah, what's wrong with you? Knock it off. I mean, I guess yeah. our Sydney listers are. We have our pretty That's no good excuse for that. They can still be a member. That's true. They can get their care package. I'm sure exactly. The shipping Rio's would be cheap. Sure. Adam will love this. Yeah, you, Adam will ship it anywhere. Uh, <laughs> no, don't quote us on that. I'm that joking. may not yeah. be true. No, that's not, that's not true. I so our Australian listeners, we will do our best. Yeah, exactly. You get the, you get the sample packets. Yeah. So yeah. Well, um, how do people find you? If they want to do a track day with you, is it strictly PCCA? How, how do we do this? Uh, yeah, PCA, through PCA. Um, register on MSR, motorsportreg.com. Okay. All our uh, our calendar is there. Um, yes. And uh, I've, I've coached with Avance, too. I sometimes show up if we're, um, with Adam at Avance Days. Cool. Well. But this year we've had, obviously, yeah. difficulty with no in-car coaching, but hopefully get back to that soon. Yeah, just, <laughs> just need to, limos. I think that's the way it is. You can sit in the back. There's six <laughs> feet of distance. No. 
Limo racing. Put up the privacy wall. He's just calm. I'm not listening. Click. <laughs> you know he doesn't use the intercom. No, he break, you that. Break. No. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I can't see the hand signals in the rearview mirror. <laughs> nice. What could go wrong? Yeah. Paul, do you have a, a website or anything we can reference? No, I don't. What would I need a website for? I'm just saying if you had your no. own Instagram or something, I don't um, know. Well, I have my Instagram. People like one, two, three, four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know the unicorn's got to have a website. <laughs> yes, we do. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Well, if, uh, when things open back up, and eventually they will, if we don't mess this up entirely, uh, <laughs> you can go to the unicorn soon, I hope, because I would love to. Uh, so, yeah. You'll find Dan and I there. Yeah. 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 Staring at the wall. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Paul, thanks for coming on the show, man. Thank you very much for asking me. Uh, the reason I agreed was because uh, my friend Zach did it, came on. He, uh, Zach, who started... Lake Washington Cars, Cars and Coffee. Coffee. Absolutely. Yeah. So if Zach came on here, I'm coming on here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah we're, I've been I've been checking the Zach's yep. website a ton, making when come back on. But I appreciate you taking the time to come down there. You know, you know, hanging out with us ragtag group. But you know, talking no, cars. It's been great. Thank so, you. Yeah. yeah. Come by anytime, man. Yeah. After that trophy, when we want an update. Yes, I'll okay. bring the trophy down. Okay. All right. That works. If not, I'll, we'll get you the you tried one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. For this episode of Rain City Supercars, I'm Nick. I'm Dan, and don't just get there. Enjoy the drive.